I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got our first interview of 2020, and I'm lucky enough to be bringing you the story of Branko Lee. Now, you all know if you've been listening to this podcast or following the Instagram page for a while now, I've been a huge fan of Branko Lee for a long time, even before I had the Guru page. Back in 2013, 2014, seeing him play under 20s, I just knew this guy had potential and he just had to land in the right system and he had to leave Canberra. He talks about the reasons behind that. He arrived at Canterbury, all looked to be going well, but then he needed to return home for personal reasons. So he returned home to the Gold Coast. Uh, it sort of all went to shit there and I'll let Branko explain the situation up there, but but it just wasn't right for him. He got to the end of the 2019 season and, you know, he, he wasn't sure if he wanted to play rugby league anymore. He was ready to give up and then he was sitting with a mate, having a couple of beers, having a pity party about giving up rugby league and a call comes from the Melbourne Storm and it changes his life forever and I imagine he's pretty happy, but I reckon second on the list would be me. I'm absolutely stoked for him and it was a real honour to bring you this podcast. This is part one of our two-part Branko Lee podcast. Today we go through his journey to the Melbourne Storm and it really is unbelievable. A fantastic story in rugby league, simply about not giving up. Branko had all the ability in the world, he still does, but he had a lot of obstacles in his way and today's podcast is his story of how he overcame those obstacles. A fantastic bloke, I mean you sort of get an idea of guys that bounce around NRL clubs that they're probably trouble, they're probably a pain in the ass. Branko Mate, I, I couldn't have more time for anyone than Branko Lee. He was a champion fella. Uh, you know, this whole podcast, the two parts, it goes for about an hour and a half altogether, and he did huge overs for me. He had a dentist appointment that he cancelled halfway through our interview so he could stay around and have a yarn. So a champion fella, a guy I've got all the time in the world for. Let's kick off part one of our Branko Lee podcast. Good pass. Branko Lee got rid of the first tackle. Branko, welcome. How are we, mate? Yeah, good, big fella. Good. It's been a wild few weeks. I could definitely think of a, a worse six weeks to be named Branko Lee. <laughs> it hasn't been too bad, but um, I'm glad all the drinking's um, done now and time to get back to earth and start training again. Who was your uh, Who was your best partner in crime on the source over the last few months? Actually, one of my good mates I grew up with. She stays here in Logan and Brizzy, and um, yeah, we Sunk a few beers, that's for sure, but just in camping at the storms, you know, everyone really gelled together and drank together. There wasn't really any groups, which is, you know, something that um, I really liked. Um, everyone was one and, uh, yeah, it definitely um, drank heaps. I'll get into some questions that I had sent in from, from my followers uh, for yeah. you, but, I mean, the amount of questions just around what was your highlight in 2020, and I mean... 
the premiership, the origin debut, your story, you know, your journey we're going to go through, it all leads up to those moments. But, mate, you must just be pinching yourself. I guess um, going to Melbourne in November for pre-season, um, this was the last thing I would have thought about, you know, winning a, a premiership or even, you know, being in the in the talks of playing origin. Um, I just went down there just to train hard and how things went and... Billy was pretty upfront and stern about what he what he wanted from me and what I needed to do and you know he never never promised me anything he just said uh, hard work will get you there and if you if you would have told me that I would have won a premiership and play Origin in the, in the one year I asked if uh, you're smoking weed because yeah it's, you're hard to be thinking that oh mate there, there's you know there's so many brilliant players over the years that have gone through their career without doing either or just doing one I mean to do both in yeah. three months time incredible. Yeah, and that's something that I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm really proud of. And, you know, we um, need to go buy a lottery ticket because I got pretty lucky there. But, um, yeah, um, it just, it's, it's just a, a credit to you know, the Storms organisation and, and Craig. Um, he hasn't done it once. He, he's done it <laughs> to many, many blokes that go down there. You know, he not only changes their, the way they play, but he, he changes their life and their, their life of thinking. And um, I honestly can't um, thank them enough. And obviously, the last few months have been special, but it's all about, for you, I imagine, for me, looking at you, it's definitely about the journey that got you there, which has been incredible. Yeah. Take me, mate, take me back to your childhood. Where did Branko Lee grow up? I grew up in a um, suburb called Woodridge, which is a, um, a suburb in Logan, Logan City. So it goes Brisbane City, Logan City, Gold Coast City. Um, yes, yeah, so I grew up in Logan, but, you know... Um, Logan that like a lot of boys come out of Logan like Cam Smith Josh Papali like most of the um, some of the Queensland boys like Corey Allen um, Edric um, Jaden Sua Milwaukee like a lot of boys come out of Logan but there's a lot that don't that are like talented boys but just end up in the wrong path of um, going down doing like drugs or getting into gangs and that's that's been the thing about Logan and, and what it's known for but a lot of talent that comes out of Logan that people don't really see because of that. Mate, did you ever go go close to going down the wrong path yourself? Oh, uh, my, my, my parents were pretty on that. Like I had certain times I had to be home from school. Uh, my old boy and old lady would would realise that I'm hanging around the wrong people and sort of um, get me back on the right path. But I signed with the Raiders on a on a development deal when I was in year six. So <laughs> you're kidding. Yeah, I swear to God. Wow. So they'll, they'll they'll pay for my schooling. Um, they'll pay for my schooling in year seven, uh, all the way all through year eight to twelve, and at the end of year eleven in two thousand and twelve, I, they flew me down. I had to do one year schooling in Canberra while I was playing in the SG Ball team. So um, I, I was I was always told that I had to be in the right path, otherwise they'll let me go. But you know, I had a lot of mates that should have played NRL, but you know, they're doing other things that you know I will never judge them for. for because, you know, they've got to support their family and, and, you know, they took the wrong path and at the end of the day, you know, I still treat them with respect and still see them and shake their hands when I see them and, you know, always all have time for them. Mate, you must have been one hell of a 12-year-old. Played at Logan Brothers, so we were always winning, mate. So there was a lot of, like, scouts, like uh, Broncos. Um, yeah, a lot of scouts. But, um, yeah, I was pretty lucky that um, they, they spoke to my parents and, there wasn't any money involved. It was just paying for my schoolings and paying for my rep rep footy stuff and um, you know just 
keeping an eye on me. And then uh, when I got to about 15, 16, I actually started playing better footy. And that's when they thought I needed to move pretty quick because uh, they just didn't want me to get caught up um, with the Broncos because uh, Broncos always um, act pretty quick on some of the, the juniors here when you're playing good in Brisbane. Mate, it's funny. You talk about when you were 15, 16, and my best mate, he grew up in Newcastle, and he he was at one of the state carnivals, and he was he, he was a union boy, and he managed to get himself into the New South Wales side. And he always tells a story that you were playing for Queensland 1s, and I think Queensland 2s, they beat you, didn't they? They, they? they pulled a huge upset. Yeah, they were, actually. I was playing 5-8 then. Yeah, well, he was the 5 on the other team, and he said he watched the two Queensland sides, and he just thought to himself, fuck me, I'm going to have to tackle this bloke. That's already yeah. six foot. He's got a beard. He's going to absolutely murder yeah. me. And I, I think you beat him by 60. You're still giving him nightmares. I actually remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our, our second Queensland team beat us. And they went on. And it was probably like one of the most embarrassing schoolboys comp for Queensland. Because that's that's never happened. But um, we, we beat like all the all the Sydney teams. The New South Wales, CHS, CIA, CIS, and uh, CCC. And we got done by our second team. And... <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing, but yeah, I remember playing like Jack Bird and all those guys. They were playing for New South Wales back then. He tells me it was you and Ash Taylor in the halves, and Ash Taylor was just a first grade ready seven at that age. He was incredible, wasn't yeah. he? Well, I remember at our carnival, he was kicking like three forty twenties a game. That was like it was normal to him, and you know he he probably had the best kicking game juniors I've ever seen. And obviously, I was just the ball. Ball running 5-8, and Ash organised the team, and whenever I needed the ball, he would, he'd pass me the ball, and either either take him on, or I'll um, pass it early to the centre, who, who was um, from from the country town in um, Queensland. It was fucking lightning, mate. And we had a plan where I'll just get him on the out, and he would just burn his centre, and yeah, the rest is history, but I don't know why, but the other Queensland team were pretty decent too. Like, they had Duncan... Payawa, he, he played for the Wallabies, played for um, the Reds, he's played the Broncos. He's over in Toulon now at um, French Rugby, but he was he was in their their side and he was a gun. It's funny, mate. I you know, my, my, my mate always says that, you know, he showed up to that thing thinking I'm gonna get a tracksuit out of this play, but a footy, how good's this? Then he shows up to that semi final and you guys were pissed off from getting beaten by the twos. And he just says it was the worst sixty minutes of his life. You just absolutely gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, obviously, um, as you're growing up, you know, we, we all know the story about Edric Lee. You know, he's your cousin. Did you guys grow up together? We we in the same sort of town? What What's the deal? Edric's old boy, um, Sam, he's my godfather. That's my dad's older brother. But he's he's four years older than me, Big Eddie. But, yeah, like, he he, come, he has three sisters, and um, I come from a family of 11. So um, he, he sort of was like, Hanging with us boys because he hardly had any sis- like he hardly had any brothers because he-, he has three sisters, a family of four and um yeah so we we're always at his house or he was always at our house and you know our dads are brothers so they played sports too and yeah so we'll either go watch them playing when like when we we're little we'll growing up wanting to be like our our dad so that's something that you know um I said before like we grew up in Canberra and then obviously we got. We take different paths and then I'm blessed and lucky to play with them in our first Origin origin game together. Mate, unless Wikipedia is doing a special on me here, I believe you're also related to Paddy Mills. Is that true? Yeah. Like, oh, well, we're from the same um, island on the Torres Strait. 
but I don't I don't personally know what how how we related to Paley Mills, but I know we got bloodline to him. I just don't know how close. But um, they are like my old boy. He's actually named after Paddy Mills's um grandfather, Tipisa. That's my dad's name, and um, Paddy Mills's grandfather's name is um Tipisa. So I don't know how close we are, but yeah, we're, we're from the same like island on the Torres Straits. I'd still be claiming it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mate, obviously you arrived down in Canberra. You play, you know, a couple of years of under twenties there. Did you play two seasons? Yeah, um, I think my second year I was just sort of like um, out of Queensland Cup in twenties. Um, yeah, when Ricky came, he sort of just gave me goals to to uh, meet during the games to show him that I'm ready to play first grade. And yeah, that's how it sort of worked out for me. Mate, tell me about your first interaction with uh, Ricky Stewart. Obviously, a legend of the game and uh, yeah. quite a polarizing character. I imagine if you're not on his good side, it'd be quite scary. Yeah, I remember um, <laughs> after my first year twenties, um, they moved on Dave Ferner from the club, and they just like appointed Ricky as the head coach and called me like while I was just having uh, breakfast with my family that he wanted to uh, meet up in Canberra and like um come back to, to Canberra pretty early to, to talk to him and have a meeting on what, where, where he sees me and like my future at the club so I only just got on holidays and then I had to fly back to Canberra and I met up with him and the manager and yeah, he just sort of sat me down and said what do you want to do with like what, your life and I said oh, I want to play first grade footy and he was just like yeah that's what I want to hear mate like you're going to do a pre-season with us and we're going to see how you go like I was only just turned 18 and he just said like you know this is how it is and you're up to it you're up to it if you're not then you're just going to uh, train with the 20s and I said yeah sweet and yeah after the Christmas break um, I just signed an, a three year deal after that to get me into the the, the top 30 and mate how did you find that first pre-season I was one of the hardest things of my life um, besides the Melbourne pre-season but that was that was probably the, the toughest um, just <laughs> you know, in the 20s you can sort not bullshit your way out of things but you can sort of bruise and then know that in the pose you play good They'll pick you. When the, tw- in the in the first grade, everything was gotta hit the mark. Like if you're not there, then you gotta f off. Like if you're not gonna f off, then you gotta go think about what you want to do. Life like it was just pretty full on, and I, I wasn't really used to that because I wasn't the fittest bloke. But um, you know they they made me fit because I had to reach marks. <laughs> like we did some 1.2 tests, and if you're not getting like if you're not getting full. 445 or 450, they're off you. Like, they won't, like, um, they won't be saying, why, why aren't you making it? They're just saying, you're fucking unfit. You're going to get fitter, mate. Like, there's no uh, sob story with, with that. And that's something I, I had to get uh, used to real quick. And, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty tough like that, Rick. Mate, was, was there a player down there that helped you through that preseason? I mean, I imagine there would have been a lot of older guys that yeah. would have obviously assessed that you're a young bloke coming into a pretty tough system under Ricky Stewart. Is there anyone that you remember that helped you out? Like the, the old boys back then were pretty, um, pretty like, uh, like you got to earn their respect in the sense of pretty uh, everyone. Everyone now is sort of like you know, um, like everyone gets along really well, and the old boys and young guys like hang out. Or like they, you know, they talk where um, I think when I was at Canberra, like the old boys like Tilsi, like Campo, like they're, they're real like old school where you got to earn like you know you got to earn their respect and you know you got to you got to work hard to you know, want to like 
want to hang out for more, not even that, like, like to even like for them to like look at you like like a like you're part of like the first grade squad and pretty young Jackie White was pretty young back then too but he was ready playing first grade but he he was just so like down to earth and so humbled and I'm with Jack and Big Pups pretty well when I was my first year first grade well I grew up with Big Pups Big Josh Papali like we went to the same primary school and we're from the same area back in Logan like we grew up three streets away from each other so he was pretty cool like that like he really looked after me but you know even even Jackie Jackie Warren was um Real tough with me in the sense of like he just made sure that I didn't take no shit from no one, even though I was a young girl. I gotta, I gotta like work hard, and when we do contact sessions, you gotta like you know give it to them. You gotta run hard. Like that's how it was. Like like he was just telling me that's how you earn their respect and stuff. And yeah, it was it was pretty weird like that. But yeah, it was it was good back then. Mate, tell me about your first grade debut. I believe it's against Canterbury, you know, funnily enough, the club that you'd be playing for in a couple of yeah. years. Tell me about your debut the week yeah. leading up to it. How'd you find out? So I found out um day before captain's run, the last session of the, the um, week. He was, I was training on the wing the whole week, but, you know, he kept swapping me in and out, and he just was sort of like just asking me questions and stuff, and I, I kind of didn't know where he was going with it. What was weird was... um already told my parents on Monday I was debuting so they flew my parents and got them accommodation but they didn't tell me that I was debuting they just like trained me throughout the whole week and then um, yeah before captain's running the day off he called me and he said mate um, I'm going to go a few this weekend on the wing um, you're going to play outside Jackie legs so he's, you know he'll be good for you because you know he's tough as nails and you know you just just, just go off the flow like don't put too much pressure on yourself and called my mum and told her straight away and like they were crying and stuff but you know they really they really knew on the Monday that I was playing so they, they were just trying to hold a secret for me because no one didn't like no one, <laughs> they, they told they got told they weren't allowed to tell me weird in the sense that I like, see them at the game and I just remember fuck I played shocking mate like did like two drop balls my first like oh my, my first touch was a good touch and then the three touches I dropped it <laughs> I took a carry and I got hit by Tony Williams and I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> this is like pretty tough. Eh? Like, <laughs> like it's not as, it's like playing in twenties, you know, you sort of like make clean line breaks or, you know, you got a lot of room where you've got guys just rushing up out of the line without, without you looking, trying to put a shot on you. And I was going, fuck. And I just remember Josh Reynolds, they just won, that was the first year they beat Queensland. They, they, they beat him in that, the first year they won from their, uh, they beat them off the street. That's when uh, Hodgson's and uh, Reynolds were the two halves when they beat Queensland. They beat them. They, that's when Queensland lost the streak. And uh, they just come, they play that Wednesday night and they came back and played that Friday against us at GIO. And I just remember dropping the ball off a of grubber. And I remember him running up to me going, fuck me, mate. You're playing 20s next week. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, <laughs> I imagine uh, that. Uh, I imagine yeah. that Canterbury team, mate. Like oh, I'm thinking back to it. That was yeah. like the Cassiano, yeah, James Graham, yeah, Greg Eastwood. You must have been stoked yeah. you're out on the sting. Yeah, and um, like they had like Frank Pritchard. That's when they had their front rows throwing like cutout passes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it was just it was ridiculous. Like you know, uh, but it was actually uh, a way to uh, introduce me to first grade to say that you know it's a, it's a, it's a reality check that this is what you need to be if you want to play first grade and of my, my second game against the Tigers was probably like you know one that I remember that I was yesterday so 
Damn, I scored two tries and, you know, fuck, I had a good night after that one too. Mate, as you just said, you play your second game against the Tigers, you score your two tries, sensational. I mean, your you, game after that, you score another try. You've scored three tries in three yeah. games and then I would imagine your next game after that, the Warriors, it's a big reality check. You come up against Manu yeah. Vatavai. I think he scores three meat pies that day. I could be I wrong, but that's four. the day you were... Four, did he? Yeah. Jeez, I was trying to do you yeah. a favour. <laughs> no, so what happened was after my third game, I, I tore my hammy. I was out for six weeks and um, this was against the Titans. I tore my hammy and I was out for six weeks and um, after my six weeks, he asked if I was all right to come back, like if I felt like um, good and I was like, yeah, like, you know, I'm sweet and the first set of six, I did it again against the Warriors. Oh. I played the whole, yeah, 80 minutes with, you know, my hammy. It was like a shocker. But after that game, I had another six weeks off because I for my hammy, but that was a season for me, like, like, cause I debuted round fifteen, so that was it. And um, I was just like, fuck, like, year of like coming into first grade, it was just like it was mixed emotions. Like, I had three good games, and then did my hammy, and then I come back off a hammy injury, and it was a shocker. Well, that of I scored four tries, and you know, I, I think I only touched the ball about three three times that game. I couldn't like stride out, I couldn't run. It was just like proper, like embarrassing. Like we got pumped by fifty that game too. Mate, Vatavai, he's always been one of those players. He'll either drop five balls in a game or he'll score five tries yeah. in a game. And you just, unfortunately, you came up against him on one of those days where it was yeah. just over. You would have known straight away too. Yeah, like it, w- it wasn't going right for me that game. I did my hammy and I split my lip because me and him had a head clash and I got like <laughs> 10 stitches. And I was just like, fuck, look. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was like probably like a... Like like I said before, like a reality check into first grade life. You know, if you're not going to prepare right every weekend, you, you'll always get out mixed mixed bags. For sure. And, mate, I guess, you know, over the next three years at Canberra, you, you're sort of in and out of first grade. I think 2015 yeah. you play one or two games. 2016 you play a little bit more. And, I mean, geez, you left them hungry. Four tries in your last game for Canberra. Not bad. Yeah, um, that was pretty... Um, I think I just signed with Bulldogs. I had a meeting with Des at um, at Belmore, and he offered offered me the opportunity to you know give centre a crack if I wanted to play centre because they they were losing Perrot and Rona and Curtis Rona. Probably one of the hardest things to tell Ricky that you know I was going to leave because I had a lot of respect for Ricky because you know he me into first grade and it was hard for me. He was hard. At, he was he was uh, really hard on me at the start and. I got a lot of time for Ricky and, and the Raiders for what they've done for what they've done for me and my family. But I think it was you know that time for me to grow as a as a footballer and as a person. I had to move on because you know they had Croker who was the captain and they just signed Joey Leilua. End up getting center of the year two years in a row at the Raiders. You you're never going to play center there. And yeah, I just need that fresh air, fresh fresh start. And you know, play my last game with the Raiders and score four tries was something that you know I could leave on a high note. <laughs> Mate, I remember <laughs> one of my best mates, he was playing at West and he just signed with Canterbury um, as a Pelly Finne. You, you, you played with him oh, in 2017. Yeah. And I, I remember when he signed the contract with Canterbury, he rang me, he goes, fuck, I just got to have a meeting with Des. I'll sign this contract. Go, oh, yeah, what, you know, you're going to Canterbury? He's like, yeah, yeah. And he said to me, oh, mate, like there's not a heap of strike centers there. I think there'll be a spot for me. And I sort of went, oh, yeah, right. I said, didn't, um, didn't Branko Lee sign there the other day? 
And he went, oh, yeah, but, you know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll be about even. I went, oh, okay, yeah, sweet. And then you scored those four tries, and I remember he ringing me going, who the fuck is this? He's scoring four tries. How am I going to get the better of him? <laughs> and then he showed up to preseason. He rang me. He goes, fuck you, all right. This guy's a monster. Yeah. Asa <laughs> that, actually played at the centres. Yeah. Oh, in the, in the back row, actually. Fuck, he was a freak. Well, then he ended up in the back row. He was filthy yeah. at the start. Yeah. Yeah. But fuck yeah, it's, he had he had one of the best like sharpest like left foot or right foot step I've seen f- for a forward. But I don't know he played in the centres because yeah, once it came to Canterbury, he just trained in the back row the whole time. No, oh, mate, he, he arrived oh, there yeah. as a centre and uh, he was oh. filthy at the start. But then Hasler can uh, convinced him to go play there and he seemed to enjoy it. But I <laughs> I yeah. think you might have given him a bit of a fright too, just quietly. <laughs> mate, obviously yeah. you mentioned Desi Hasler there. Um, you know, what was your first impressions when you meet him? Obviously a guy that in all players seem to love him, but he has got his little strange things about him. How did you find Desi? Yeah. Like I said, he was very strange. Um, spoke very quietly. So you had to sort of um, like really listen and tune in and then snap and like start not yelling, but just talk really loud and it just scares you because you're, you're real dialed, dialed in because of how softly spoken he is and then he'd be talking to someone and you walk past him and he'll stop the convo and then just be like oh time to show you and he'll walk you into the into his office and show you like 30 clips <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like fuck like you sort of got to the point where you didn't want to go through his past his room in the front way you always go the back way and straight into the locker so you can relax for a bit because once, once you walk through the room and you go past his office, he, he's always got his hands up telling you to come come to his room. But, yeah, I, I actually uh, really liked Des as a coach. Um, he, he, he sort of got the best out of me. I had a fall in my groove. And then, um, you know, I had, I had some family issues back in um, Brizzy that, um, that was, it was pretty hard to juggle. And I was, still, I was still 21, 20 years old. And I was just like, fuck, like, I'm living in Sydney in the big smoke. And my family back in Logan and Brizzy were sort of having a uh, hard time and um, yeah it was just hard to play consistent good footy like when you know there's things on your mind and shame that you know they sacked Des after my first year it was probably one of the reasons why I asked for a release out of my last year because um, I just felt like um, you know my second year under him structures I knew that I learned from him it would have helped me out but uh, sometimes that's the way footy works and Dean Pay was pretty pretty good about that because I had Dean Pay at the Raiders my whole you know four three years I was there and you know he was I told him about the issues I had at home and you know he he granted me the release and shook my hand and said if I needed anything you know um, just let him know but you know we I left you know the club on a good note and I think I actually like thank the Bulldogs for actually um, giving me you know some Good first grade time that, you know, I wish I, I had a clear head and, um, you know, I, I had mindset what I have now than back then. But, you know, that's the way it is and that's the way it panned out. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Mate, I've spoken to a number of guys on this podcast that have played over the last 20 or 30 years. A lot of them have played under Des Hasler, and a lot of the Indigenous and Polynesian boys that play under him, he just seems to have a way to be able to get the best out of those sort of fellas. Like, yeah. is there anything he does that when you compare him to other coaches that you think, geez, he, he, like he knew what he was doing there? He just like um, plays to your strengths as, as, a, as a footballer. And I think he sort of identifies your strengths pretty early. So he, he knows what he's working with. And the thing I noticed about him is like he, he will give you time to find your feet and play to your strengths just after three or four bad games get ready he'll, he'll give you time and then he'll start asking you questions to see where you're going wrong and what you're doing and you're gonna yeah I'm not doing this right like gonna earn up to it like once you start like not earning up to it or once you think you're not doing right when you're when you're actually not doing right that's when he starts questioning you like fuck like you know maybe I need to change this bloke or maybe he needs a reality check and I think that's how Des gets the best out of his players is place to the strengths that you know he knows that you got and do a lot of video and sometimes you know he gives you too much video but he makes sure that you go into the game knowing what what your opponent weakness is and his strength is so you sort of don't go in there not blindfolded trying to play your best footy you sort of know what you're going into and that's probably one thing that i really noticed about des is that you know he makes sure that you have a fair idea of what you're doing before he, he chucks you in, in there Mate, uh, there's a couple of guys at Canterbury I want to ask you about. And the first one is, of course, uh, Grub, Josh Reynolds. He obviously sprayed you in your first game yeah. when you made a couple of errors. What was it like playing with him? And, you know, what sort of a fella is he like off the field? I always look at him as, you know, he just seems to be the last bloke in the world you'd want to play against and the, and the bloke you'd want to have on yeah. your team. After that, like, after my game, my first game, you know, I sort of, like, not lost respect for him, but I sort of was just off him in the sense of, like, fuck this bloke, like, to be, like, just, like, did that to me and I was just a bit annoyed but when I went to the Bulldogs I sort of was a bit off him at the start because of the first words like I've known from him was that so that was the last that that was the last thing on my mind from him but when I went to the Bulldogs fuck he was you know best bloke you'll ever meet like a legend like always looks after all the younger boys he always makes everyone feel welcome but one thing I noticed about him is he loves to enjoy himself but he doesn't get it wrong on the field, he still trains hard. You know, he, he wins everything, but also have fun. And that's one thing that, you know, I really respected about Grubby is, you know, he he could have the time of his life. But one thing is for sure, when he goes to training, he, he, he'll bust his ass and do do whatever he could for, for the team to win. Like, he's a, he's a competitive bloke. And playing outside of him at Canterbury, he was always, like, tired because everything he does is 100 miles per hour. So <laughs> if he's kick chasing, he's winning it. If he's gonna shoot out of the line, he's gonna shoot out of the line. Like there's no ifs or buts. It's whatever he, he put, whatever he thinks he's gonna do, he's doing it. And he was always tired in the sense of just him always competing. But you know that that's how he is. Like after the games, he's that exhausted and that tired from competing. You know, um, it just it just shows what type of a competitor and what what type of person he is. Is you know that that hardworking, down to earth fellow that has a lot of time for young fellas and you know, time for for Every, everyone and you know um, the Bulldogs are I got um, you know um, got to know Grubby pretty good and um, I respected him as a person and as a footy player mate he's one of those guys if you would have got all 16 5 in the NRL that year and you did like a skill test thing he probably finishes last but if you do you know an effort and an attitude sort of thing he, he, yeah. he would just win it by a country mile wouldn't he 
Oh, 100%, mate. Like, he, he was actually, you know, he was, he was very skillful for, uh, for, for what he used to say he wasn't, but, you know, I actually thought he was skillful. Like, when he, um, when he did leave Canterbury, obviously, you know, he, he was the heart and soul of Canterbury at that point. I mean, he, yeah. he, he was chaired off Belmore that day. Like, I, I, I imagine for yourself, oh, you would have been sad to leave. But the emotion surrounding him, I, I haven't seen anything like that from someone yeah. that's played less than 150 games or whatever. Unbelievable. Yeah, like, I was only there for a year, and I actually felt really sad when, you know, he told the boys he was signing with the Tigers. Like, I actually got teary and only I've, I've only known him for about four or five months, but I was actually emotional because of the effect it had on the playing group and the effect it had on what the fans. And one thing about him is he always, you know, stood up for everyone. And, you know, he, he, he was loved by the fans because he had time for them. You know, the one, the one thing I know about the dogs fans, they're very loyal and very um, loud. So, you know, if you do right by them, they'll, they'll go, you know, to the end of the world for you. And that, uh, there were scenes when they played Newcastle and they grabbed him on the shoulders and everyone ran on the field and took him off. Like that was actually really emotional, you know. And um, I wish he could. I wish you know he could finish his career back at the Dogs, but that's the way footy works. And I, I think he's going to have a good career over in Super League. Mate, speaking of the Super League, uh, James Graham was another guy you played with at yeah. Canterbury. Uh, pretty full-on character, from what I've gathered. What was your experiences with James Graham? Yeah, Booper. Yeah, he was a legend. Um, he was the leader, mate. Um, he led by example. Just, just a typical tough forward. Like he'll take the carries that no one didn't want to t- take. He'll little little things for, better than anyone. Um, it's a real professional. Like really, um, trained well. Always early. Always stretching. Just doing the little things right. And I think that's 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 how you know. We got so much out of his out of his uh, career. Is you know he he played till the last juice was on, and it's because he done all the little things right at the start that got his you know long career on. And you know I'll take my hat off to him because he you know he played um, at a, at a high level for a very long time. And someone to play it in the front row where you you know you're always on the chopping block from another team. Like you gotta you gotta be mentally tough, you know. Physically and mentally tough, and always our leader. When any team came in after the the Bulldogs, and I was there, it was always after James Graham, and you know he he didn't shy away from it. He never gave it to anyone else to to have. He 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 took it on the chin, and uh, that's something that you know I, I really um, loved about Booper. Mate, was there ever a standout spray that you got from James Graham or Josh Reynolds on the on the field? Not Booper, but I remember Grubby. <laughs> we caught a t- uh, I caught a tunnel ball in one of the games, and um. It's like a cutout pass, you know, missing the fullback and hitting me. And threw the ball and I dropped it clean. And then um, he just goes, mate, if you call a fucking tunnel ball, at least catch the kind to give yourself opportunity or don't fucking call for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just put my head down and I said, sorry, grubby. He goes, don't fucking say sorry, mate. <laughs> I was going, fuck. Like, it rattled me, actually. I think I think that was the last game I actually called for a ton of ball. I was asking, I was making sure he wanted it, so he couldn't say that to me again. <laughs> Mate, obviously, 2018, you wind up on the Gold Coast. Um, I imagine you're in conversations with Gra- uh, Garth Brennan there, l- leading into that season. So um, when I asked for a release, had a few like weeks off, personal issues, and then um, 
spoke to Garth and my manager spoke to Garth and yeah, things got like sort of pretty quickly. So I ended up on the Goldie and it was a good it was a good feeling because I was I was living you know at Logan and I was close to my parents. So you know that's something that I actually loved like you know, being back with my siblings again because the last time I actually was living or seeing my siblings like that every day was when I was 16. So, you know, I was 20, 23, three years old, first time back since I was 16. So I was loving every minute, you know. So Hawkeyes gave me the opportunity to come home to see my family and um, that was something that, you know, I couldn't, you know, turn down. Now, mate, as per your career, we spoke about it earlier. I mean, your first game for the Gold Coast Titans, you come up against the Melbourne Storm, the team you'd eventually be playing for in three years' time. But I guess... The other interesting thing about that game, I mean, you're playing in this Titans team with Philip Sammy, AJ Brimson, Mo Fodawaka, all these guys that you would play, you know, make your debut for Queensland with a couple of years later. It's, it's a small world, isn't it? Even that, like, thinking about that, well, you just said it's pretty, like, you know, pretty freaky in the sense of I didn't think I was going to do that with them or, you know, you know, I think we just lost to the Storms that game, but, you know, we had a really young team and, Storms, I think Storms went. No, they they won it the year before, 2017. Yep. They ended up making the grand final that year, 2018. But they were they were quality side and young boys at the Titans. Like how they ended up playing good at the back end of the year. There, that's you know that, that was always going to happen from when I was there because you know they were, they were really really quality players. But I think they just needed the the right structure for them and the right um you know to take them forward but you could see that they had the potential there it was just hard at the time mate obviously 2018 at the Titans I mean you you play 14 or 15 games there it's a bit of a mixed bag you get to get to 2019 and I mean it's it's a bit of a clusterfuck isn't it I mean yeah. I'm looking at it now you play six games you lose all of them you end up on the bench for the last three I mean was there times in 2019 where you maybe started to look around and go is it over yeah, um, that was like probably the year I hit rock bottom in the sense of um, you know, I didn't know well what was going on, and my my grandma passed away um, during that year, and it was just a real bad year on and off the field for me personally. Like I just didn't really know what Garth was trying to do with the team. It had no s- sort of directions of <laughs> you know what was going on, and it was just like we finished last, like. We just like we, like we just found ways to lose games, and you know people had to get dropped, and you know I was you know one of them, but I didn't hardly play Q Cup because you know my nan passed away, so I had a long period of break, and yeah, like me and Garth sort of just didn't get along, and yeah, they end up sacking Garth, and then you know Hodjo and um, Luke Bird took over the two assistant coach Craig Hodges and Luke Bird, and you know they. They bring the fun back into the group, and I think everyone just started playing footy instead of just trying to worry about you know what's going on after the game. Like everyone wanted to play good footy, and they actually did well for the group. Craig and um, Luke Burt. Like I, I went back into the centres. They put me back into the centres, and then um, you know I did my hammy again before I went to play Melbourne that year. And then uh, they put um, Pommy that they had um, uh, Pommy that they signed. Yeah, um, Watkins. Watkins, yeah, yeah, they they put him back into the team, and then I came came back in, and I had to play on the bench, and I was playing in the middle, and I never really played in the middle, but you know, you know, if someone wants you to play somewhere in grey, you're not going to say no, and that's one thing about me is I always put the team first, and I was willing to play wherever they wanted me to play, and I've still got a lot of respect for the Titans because they 
yeah, they they gave me this opportunity to come back home to be with my parents and you know I think there's there's a lot of good years ahead for them and and they they look like they've got a sense of direction and, and a plan there, which is, you know, good for the club and for the young boys there, um, to get them better. But, you know, at that time it was pretty difficult the two years there, just just in the sense of not knowing what was going on and not knowing how how to play footy, to be honest. So yeah. Um rock bottom and they told me, you know, the last game that I had no contract, um I'll go on and look for a club and I think most of the clubs are all taken up because of um, you know, was at the back end of the year and they needed teams needed to know their roster before they started preseason in November. So you know, um, there was a few tough days there, a few, few times where I didn't really sleep because I just didn't know what I was doing and I was just trying to um, through my head that, you know, maybe I'll have to start working a nine-to-five job and there was, was pretty scary times, you know, being at 24 and all that yet to go back to work. But that's reality and that's the way, you know, life works and, I was I was just really disappointed in myself because I wish you know I had I had the opportunity again. I I said I promised myself that you know if I do get the opportunity again I'm not going to let it slip and yeah I'm just thankful that the the storms you know asked me to come down for a training trial. Mate, we'll get to Melbourne in a moment. You mentioned a few sleepless nights there. A year later, there'd be a lot more sleepless nights for very different reasons. But when you were at the Gold Coast <laughs> and you were going back to reserve grade, I, I, for, from memory, you were playing for the Burley Bears, weren't you? Yep. yep. So what was it like walking back to Burley? I mean, you've come through, you've played two years of Toyota Cup, you've been at three or four clubs, you've been successful, you've scored a number of tries in a number of games. What was it like going back to Burley? You know, is it... Was there a good environment there? Were you enjoying it? Was it a bit of a pain? Was it a chore? Like, what 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 were the feelings around that? It was actually um, really enjoyable. You know, the coach and the the, the players at, at the at the club were awesome. You know, um, thing that's for sure is that you know they play you know tough and good footy, but they also love to to have a drink after the game after a tough game. And um, one thing I liked about Burley is that you know they did they had fun. So I wasn't going back there thinking that you know it's going to be a punish or um, you know I can't be doing this because it was actually a, a good environment and, and a fun environment you know um, because I were there mostly guys that you know have, have played first grade and have just gone back to work and really signed them on so it was, it was pretty professional in the sense of you know they had standards and you know, that's probably why they're one of the elite Q Cup teams you know at the moment is because you know they've got standards and they, they play hard footy but they also like to, to you know have a good good time off the field too but I never went back there thinking, what am I doing here? Or this is like, I can't be doing this. Like, at the end of the day, I just accepted it. And, you know, as long as I'm playing footy, I was happy. But just me personally knowing that, you know, this could be my last time playing first grade, that's what was, was killing me. Um, and that's what I was having a sleepless night of, knowing that, you know, something that I grew up doing and I trained so hard for in the early years of my life, just give it away because, you know, played some... 40 under, you know, some, some, uh, yeah, hard, hard coaching. <laughs> the opportunity of a lifetime, it'll come about soon. And it, it starts with you signing with the East Tigers. And I remember sitting on my phone when I got that notification you'd signed and just going, fuck, this is where it begins. This is the pathway to Melbourne. And I sort of, I posted about it straight away. And, you know, the amount of people that sort of said, oh, he's a reserve grader, he can't defend, he can't do this, mate. Like, there was just every reason in the world why you wouldn't make it in the Melbourne system. Were you – did you have any worries yourself? Were you a bit nervous about the whole thing? 
wasn't nervous about my ability to play footy. I was just nervous about how hard they trained and what they did to, to fit in. And I just remember the assistant coach at the Titans that ended up taking over Garth when they sacked him. Rogers was the head coach of East the following year and found a trial out for the Rebels Union. And like I was actually pretty keen on that because I just thought I needed to walk away from the game and you know maybe Union was a sport that I, I could actually play good at. But obviously probably one of the hardest decisions who was to walk away from the game but you know that actually like made me love the sport again because I just seen how I was to adapt to play union and not understand one thing about that sport and you know that 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 made me understood that you know um you know I am a league player and I'm you know this is what I'm I'm born to do and this is what I, I want to be good at and this is what I was I was here for is to play rugby league and um Hodges rang me up. Um, I was having a beer with my mate, and he rang me up and he said, "Mate, how fast can you get to um, Langlands Park?" And I said, "I, don't, I actually don't want to play. Like, I'll, I'll have a year off this year. I don't want to come and play Q Cup and whatnot." And he goes, "No, nah, if you come here now, we'll you'll sign with us and we'll fly you straight to Melbourne the next day." As a slot. Hold on, yeah. hold on. You're you're having a beer with a mate and a bit of a pity yeah. party. And he rings yeah. you with an opportunity and, and you respond with you're considering not playing. Yeah. And next thing you know, you sign with Melbourne. So Far I went out. to I went to Langlands Park and signed it. And the assistant coach at the Broncos right now, um not Cartwright, um, Terry Madison. Yep. Took Terry Madison's hand, you know, signed the um contract and he he booked my flight to Melbourne. He just said, Here, mate, um, you're gonna get an email of your flight details. Tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning, you're off straight to Melbourne. And I literally haven't unpacked since coming back from Union, Melbourne Rebels. So I just zipped my suitcase back up. <laughs> and my parents dropped me off at the airport and I was off. Um, the rest is history. And Mate, imagine yeah. if you took a year off, you dickhead. Imagine that. Yeah. I know. Um, it was a sign that, you know, I can't, I can't explain the feeling on the plane going to Melbourne. I just knew that this is it, like, Melbourne can't change it. No, no one can. <laughs> Literally, right? You know, Melbourne are you know, one of the greatest organisations in, in, you know, sports in Australia and things down there that you know, most clubs don't really know yet. And you know, going down there, I was just like, fuck, like, this is it. But meeting Craig Bellamy for the first time, he was just sitting there chilling on the, the van when we were doing skill, uh, uh, speed and skill. And he was just like, scary to even look at <laughs> but he was so nice like you know he, he didn't like walk up to you and you know say how you going mate he like introduced his name like Craig Bellamy how you going like he was a real man's man like the first impression of him was like wow like he you could tell he's a real honest hard working bloke you know just the way he presented himself and yeah it was it was pretty scary like in the sense of what was to come That's the end of our part one interview with Branko Lee. Part two, it'll drop next Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. It is an absolute cracker. Branko dives into his time in the Melbourne Storm. Everything is achieved there. you got to remember, Branko didn't have it all easy. He had a couple of injuries this year. He also wasn't named in the round one team. And probably the most amazing thing to come out of this podcast is that, you know, Craig Bellamy calls him into his office uh, when the round one team is named and says that uh, he's going with Marion Seve. He's not going to pick Branko in the team. And... As devastated as Branko is, he cops it on the chin. He goes to walk out, and Craig Bellamy calls out to him and 
essentially says, you know, you'll play Origin this year if you want to, and lets him walk away. And Branko went into the COVID break with that sentence just ringing through his ears, and it really did turn him into the player he is now. He had a sensational season. He went on to win a premiership. And, of course, what Craig Bellamy said to him, it came true. He made his Origin debut in Game 3. An unbelievable story. Part 2 is centred around the Melbourne Storm and, of course, his Queensland debut and the celebrations there. A cracking podcast. Look forward to sharing it with you next Tuesday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.